0: Good morning, church. I was giving high fives to most of the kids. Some of them ignored me, but look at this. Somebody dropped a lollipop as they were going through the door. That's a score right there for me. If no one claims it by the end of the gathering, that's my lollipop right there. My name's Matt. I'm on the team here at Victory Point, and I have a very superficial confession to make to all of you. I'm still bitter about the way the Lions lost on Monday night. I still am. It's still bothering me. It's a good thing I didn't stay up and watch the game last night, because I hear I would have been bothered even more. Like, it's a good thing, right, that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. I dare not trust in the sweetest frame or in the Detroit Lions, but holy on Jesus' name. I'm grabbing hold of that truth this morning. Hey, just also one other announcement. Um, you may have noticed, you guys might have noticed, Vern, you're looking very good today with your, your suit and tie. Dude, you inspire me. That's awesome. Grandson's wedding last night. Congratulations, you guys. That's awesome. I love it. Someday I'm going to wear a suit and tie up here just to mess with people. You wouldn't even recognize me probably, you know. But uh, those of you over here probably notice the dark side over here. Not like in Star Wars, the dark side, but... This is the dark side, we're having some issues with some lights that you notice they started flickering last week and uh, we don't know what's going on so we're going to try to get that fixed but if you guys need to use your lights on your phones today to to read, don't feel bashful or self-conscious about that. Like Brendan said, um, we are shifting our orientation in our series called Devoted from the Word of God to now prayer and like Brendan mentioned, uh, this whole series comes from Acts 2.42 where it says the early believers were devoted to four things. To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and prayer. So we spent a season orienting ourselves around the word of God, and now we turn our attention to orienting ourselves, leaning into prayer. What does it mean to be a church of prayer, to be a person of prayer, to be a people of prayer? And then we'll get to Advent season, we'll take a break. And then somewhere in the new year we will we'll come around those other two devotions as well. The breaking of the bread and to fellowship. But today we, we begin to turn our attention towards prayer. And our scripture this morning comes from uh, this uh, passage that we read on Thursday. So, so in our... In our series on Devoted to the Word of God, we began an all-church teaching series um, around the Word of God, and that included an all-church reading plan, a Bible reading plan. And we're going to keep that going, obviously, through the end of the year and maybe even beyond. And uh, our our messages will still sort of springboard out of the weekly readings, but uh, for this next season, we'll kind of lean into what does the Word of God have to say to us about prayer. And uh, the passage for today, for today's message, comes from the, the scriptures we read on Thursday, Luke 18, 1 through 8. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn your attention to that passage in particular. Find it on your device if that's how you follow along. But before we get to today's passage, I just want to share a word. I just want to share a word, not about this passage in particular, but I want to share a word about this message. Um, we're going to talk about prayer this morning. Um, that's, that's obvious. What I don't want to have happen is anyone to walk out of here feeling guilty, like, man, I need to pray more. I suck at prayer. I need to pray more. I mean, th- th- that's not the heart of this morning. Um, I'm, I'm really not interested in anyone feeling guilty this morning about, you know, praying more or lack of prayer or anything like that. Um, I don't want anyone to walk out of here with this sense like, man, I need to pray more. My hope is we all walk out of here with this sense is like, man, I get to pray. Not that I have to pray, but I get to pray. I hope this morning reminds all of us of this sincere invitation that God the Father gives to us, His children, to talk to Him. God invites us to talk to Him. That, that we, me, you, us, we have God's ear. As his sheep, we have his ear. When's the last time? Just think about this before we dive into this passage. When's the last time you were praying and you paused and thought about how amazing it was that you were talking to God? That in that moment, in your spirit, out loud, however you were, you were talking to God, the God that you read about in here, you talked to Him, the God who who spoke the universe into existence. You get to talk to him. Not that you have to. You get to. You have the privilege of talking to God. I think too often we reduce Christianity or or following God or faith to all the, the don'ts. ...to all the things we can't do. You know, we, we associate Christianity or God with... ...you know, here's all the things I can't do now in my life. I, I guess I, I can't drink. I can't get drunk. I can't smoke. I can't gossip. I can't cuss. I can't, you know, look at porn. I, I can't, like, cheat on my taxes. I can't lie to my spouse. Yeah, you shouldn't do any of those stuff. But, but too often Christianity gets associated with... ...all the things we can't do. And, oh, then I have to go to church on Sunday. I mean, it's no wonder that people often don't find Christianity compelling or appealing because we present it that way. We need to recapture the awe and wonder. Like Christianity is, I get to commune, have fellowship with, talk to the God of the universe. He's my king and he's also my father. And I get to have that sort of relationship with him. I get to speak to the creator and he listens to me. I was looking at 1 John this week. Right at the beginning of John's epistle that we call 1 John, his letter, John, the apostle, says this. He's talking about how from the very beginning he got to to see Jesus and touch Jesus and interact with, with the living word of God. And then he says this at the very beginning of his letter. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And then listen, our fellowship is with the Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Father. John is so excited that he gets to be in fellowship with God. I have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. And I want you who are reading this letter to have that same fellowship. Prayer. We're going to talk about prayer a lot over the next few weeks. Prayer is a means of fellowship with the God of the universe. And fellowship with God is this amazing privilege. It's this amazing privilege we have as sons and daughters of God. Can can you imagine just? Can you imagine trying to do life without having access to God, without being able to talk to God and to listen to God? I mean, as we began like this series um, back in early September, as we started to talk about being devoted to the Word of God and devoted now to prayer, just I started to introduce some simple practices into my life. That are, that are having um, just profound effects on me. And, and they're simple, and they're so doable. And I'll just share them with you as just an idea of, of how I've decided I want to be devoted to the Word of God, and how I want to be devoted to prayer. And they're very simple. It, it, I've just re, restructured how I begin my day. I've decided, like, the first thing I'm going to do when I slide out of bed is I'm going to fall right on my knees, and I'm going to pray. I've been doing that for two months. And it's amazing how it reorients my beginning to my day. And I, I just pray simple things. I pray biblical things. I, I have this, this prayer, this practice prayer that I pray. I, I, I just, like, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then I remind myself that His mercies are fresh every morning. And I receive them for myself and, and for Tori and Reese and J.C. and Levi and then I just simply pray the prayer Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. It's how I have begun every morning uh, for the last two months. And it's amazing how, how it sets me up with this expectation of ongoing fellowship with the Father. It's like the beginning of a conversation that continues throughout the day. And the other practice, as, as we talk about being devoted to Scripture, is I've decided, like, Scripture before phone, Scripture before computer, Scripture before TV. Like, I'm not going to turn on any devices Until I've at least been into the word a little bit. And um, those two simple things are are just like heaven. It's not like, you know, like miraculously changed my whole life. But it's, it's amazing how it orients my life with an expectation that I have fellowship with the God. He's speaking to me through the word. I'm speaking to him through prayer. So this morning, that's what I really hope you catch. I hope you catch today and in this series. This is not about making anyone feel guilty for how much or how much they don't pray. This is about rekindling an invitation from the God of the universe to have fellowship with him and to talk with him and uh, to to, to recover maybe that, that awe and wonder and that childlike giddiness of, man, I get to talk to God. I get to talk to God every day, every moment. I get to talk to God. I can live my life in this ongoing community with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what I hope you capture today, okay? So let me pray, and then we'll dive in. Lord, as as we dive into this parable, it's such an amazing, cool, awesome story. I pray that, you know, it's familiar, but will you bring fresh things to mind and to bear in our spirits today, Show us what you want to show us today. Teach us what you want to teach us. And give us the courage to stand and act on those things. In Jesus' name, amen. So Luke 18. Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Um, I'm going to read it from my Bible. And uh, Ethan's going to let you follow along on the screen if you want to do it that way. The Word of God. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. This is what he said. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, Or care what people think. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me. I will see that she gets justice. So that she won't eventually come and attack me. That's tenacious. And the Lord said. Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones. Who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off. I tell you. He will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? One of my favorite parts of this parable is I don't have to try to figure out what Jesus is trying to say. Because Luke tells us, right at the beginning of this parable, Luke tells us in verse 1, he says this, Jesus told His disciples a parable. Why? Because He wanted to show them that they should Always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. So I just have a simple question for you this morning. What have you given up on? Is there anything in your life that you had been praying for before and you just stopped? You just sort of gave up on? Just think about that. That might intersect with the exercise Brendan had us go through earlier. But but is there something in your life that you've given up on? that you stop praying for? I mean, as I spent some time reflecting on that this week, I, I did identify a couple things, a couple people, actually, that I, at one time, was praying for, for breakthrough, and uh, felt like I'd stopped, and felt like I'd given up, and th- these were important things, and I don't know why. I don't know why I stopped praying. Is it because I didn't get the answer in the time I thought it should be given, and so I decided, like, I'll move on to something else? I don't know. But is there something in your life that, you had been praying for that you've given up on. Because apparently, that's common among us humans. Because otherwise, why would Jesus need to teach on this? Why would he need to be so straightforward? Why would Luke need to say, always pray and never give up? It's something we deal with. And so this morning, we want to dive into this. So this is how Jesus teaches this. This is how he teaches us to always pray and never give up. He said, there was this town. There was this town, and in this town, there was this judge who wasn't a good guy. I mean, he was kind of a rotten judge. He he could care less about what God thought, and he could care less about what people thought. And then in this town, there was also this widow. This widow who was apparently, in some way, shape, or form, being persecuted, which wasn't uncommon, because oftentimes women... You know, especially widows, couldn't defend themselves in that culture. So she was being persecuted in some way, shape, or form. And she just simply wanted justice. She wanted justice from her enemy. She just wanted what was fair and what was right. So what did she do? She kept going to the judge. She kept going to the judge. She kept bugging and bugging and bugging the judge. And the judge kept refusing and refusing and putting her off. But she kept coming over and over with the same request, I bet, until finally the judge has enough. And he says, because this, did you catch that? Because this widow keeps bothering me, and then he's actually like, and because I fear she might even escalate and attack me, I'm going to see that she gets justice. I'm going to give her what she's asking for simply because she keeps bugging me. Just bugging me. And it reminded me of a couple Like of a scene and of a story. Um, You know, I'm going to date myself here a little bit. Kind of my era of sitcoms that I really loved, you know, especially as a young man, was Seinfeld. Right? Seinfeld's the epitome of great TV, in my opinion. Like, Seinfeld connects with everything in life. There's almost not a week that goes by in the office you know, here among the VP staff where we can connect something to a Seinfeld episode. And usually Earl and I have to carry the load because we're the old guys now. The young guys, like, it's sad when they don't even know what we're talking about. But remember, like, how many are Seinfeld fans here in the room? Remember that, that, that one episode where, where Kramer's taking karate lessons? But he's taking karate lessons with children. He's an adult man, and he's in a, he's in a classroom with children taking karate. That means Kramer is part of the carpool that the moms drive the kids to karate. He's in the back seat. Remember like after the karate class and they want to get ice cream and the mom says no and all the kids and Kramer, they just start, please, please. You know, they just, they don't stop until mom gives in. Says, all right, we'll get ice cream. Like, yay. You know, there's persistence. You know, keep bugging until you get the answer you want. And then I also thought of like, anyone ever read the book Love Does? Or you know who Bob Goff is? Bob Goff, in his book, Love Does, he shares the story about how he got into law school. Do you remember this story, those of you who know this? So, so Bob Goff, he, he's, a, he's a lawyer. You know, he's a faculty at Pepperdine University, at least he used to be. He's a best-selling author. I think he was like an ambassador to a country. I mean, he's a very accomplished guy. But he tells the story in his book about how he was rejected from admission to law school. He got denied. I don't know if it was his grades or what. He, he couldn't get in. So do you remember what he did? He just went to the dean's office every single day and sat there asking the dean to let him into law school. Every single day he showed up to the dean's office and says, I know that you can give me what I want. I know that you can grant me admission to this law school. So he just showed up and he sat there every day and he wouldn't take no for an answer. Until finally the dean knew that the only way he's gonna get rid of this guy out of his office is to give in. And so finally one day he goes up to Bob Goff and he says, Go get your books, you're in. I mean, to me that that that's the the heart of this story that Jesus shares. That's the heart of this parable. That, That that I think, you know, it reminds me that sometimes I think we give up way too easy. We give up or we give in way too easy. Sometimes you have to find that, that, that holy, stubborn streak inside of you and bring it to bear. I mean, does anyone have like a stubborn streak inside of you? Or you know somebody sitting next to you maybe has something like that, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> Christopher, I did not see you raise your hand by your mom right there. Um, but, uh, but, but, yeah, like sometimes like it, God's inviting us to put that, that holy, stubborn streak to bear in our lives, to, to, to be like, like that bulldog that, that grabs on and, and won't let go no matter what. To, to get tenacious and to keep bugging. And to keep going after the thing that we're praying for. And, and, and while on the one hand I think this, is, this parable is a picture of, of, of you know, holy tenacity and um, shameless audacity of going after something. I think the parable is just as much if not more about the heart of God. The heart of God towards those who cry out to him. I mean, in in verses 6 through 8 of that parable. I I didn't catch this. I've read this parable many times. I've taught on this parable before. But this time around, as I was preparing this, verse 6 grabbed me in a way that I hadn't caught before. Jesus wants us to zoom in on what the judge says. Jesus says, the, the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And the judge said, because you're bothering me, I'm going to give you what you're asking for. And then Jesus says this, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and they get justice quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? I think Jesus wants us to understand this. If an evil, wicked, human judge will eventually listen and give in and respond to you because you bug and bother him enough, how do you think a righteous, good, loving judge, one who sent his son to die for you, one who's incredibly crazy about you, how do you think that being will respond to persistent prayers? Do you think he's going to ignore you? I mean, the worst of human judges will listen. How much more will a good, heavenly father? It reminds me of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount when he says this. He, he, he talked about prayer, and then he, he talks about you know, asking and seeking and knocking and persevering. And then he says this, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, listen to this, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, uh, this, that phrase, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? When you think about it, because I've thought about it, when, when I think about this, this widow in this story and I think about us today, and I think about this father we get to talk to. We we actually have a lot of advantages over this widow. We really do. I mean, on the one hand, th- th- this widow was a stranger to this judge. In in the passage we read in, in this parable, Jesus calls us his chosen ones, his his sons and daughters. If if, if you have Christ, you are not just a stranger. You are a chosen one. You are a son or daughter of God. You are, you are hand-picked. God is crazy about us. That God, that father listens to those, his chosen ones. This woman in the parable came to an unjust judge. We come before a God who's perfectly just, who is the definition of, of fair. When we don't even know what's best for us, he knows He knows what's best for us. This woman didn't have anyone to intercede on her behalf. She had had to go find the judge whenever she could. The scriptures tell us today we have one who intercedes on our behalf. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8. I hope you're writing all these passages down because they are brilliant passages that that form us as, as prayer beings. Who then is the one who condemns? No one condemns, Paul says. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, listen to what's true of Jesus right now. He's at the right hand of God, and he is also interceding for us. Jesus is our persistent widow. Jesus is our persistent widow. He's, he's per- persistently interceding, intervening on our behalf to God the Father in heaven. We have a persistent widow in heaven who's always interceding. In Romans 8, when you read all of that, like even when we don't know what to say, we can trust and we can rest in Jesus is interceding and intervening on our behalf. And then I think the fourth advantage we have over this woman is she could only go to this judge certain times of the day. I mean, like, you know, she had to like, figure out when he's coming out to his chariot maybe or going you know, into the office and then she would try to intersect with him we have 24-7 access to our judge. We have, we, 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 day and night, we can access him. I think the point of this parable, I think there's lots of points to this parable, but I, I think one of the main points of this parable is Jesus simply wants his disciples then, and he wants his disciples today, right here, right now, to understand and to believe and to know that we have a father who welcomes And even expects us to keep coming. Keep coming, keep pursuing, keep persisting, keep persevering. I think that's always been his invitation to us. And that led me to to this discovery. Like, I just was enjoying the scriptures this week, just as I've thought about this, this parable. In Isaiah, Isaiah 62. So the setting for Isaiah in, in this moment in time is the Israelites, they're, they're, they've been exiled to Babylon. And there's like this remnant left in Jerusalem. And Isaiah's prophesying. And in Isaiah 62, he gives this, just catch this metaphor, catch this picture. It says, I, I've posted watchmen on your walls. He's talking to, Jeru- to Jerusalem. I've posted watchmen on your walls. They will never be silent, day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest. And then listen to this. And give Him no rest until He establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Isaiah is telling us that it's okay to to keep pursuing, keep persisting, keep persevering, keep bugging, keep pestering, keep asking, keep going. Don't give God any rest. Don't give yourselves any rest. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Continue to persevere. Isaiah's given this picture like, let's bombard heaven until God hears our prayers and, and brings salvation to Jerusalem. Let's continually bombard heaven until we get an answer. Jesus told his disciples a parable to teach them to always pray and to never, ever give up. Keep wrestling. Don't let go until you get a response. Now there's one advantage. As I think about it, there is one advantage this widow has had that we don't have. Can you think about what that is? I mean, she could physically see and go to and touch the person that she was asking for justice from. She could go see him. We don't have that advantage as far as like, like a, a physical incarnated manifestation presence of God. So you know what? For us, it requires faith. It requires faith that we really believe he's listening. That we really believe the one we are talking to in prayer is leaning in. That we have his ear. I think that's why this parable ends. Did you catch that last phrase that Jesus says? When the son of man returns, will he find faith? When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? The question isn't God's faithfulness, it's ours. God will listen. God will respond. The question is, will we be faithful to keep going, to always pray, to never give up? I mean, parables, I think, are actually pretty simple. I think we tend to overcomplicate them, come up with new theories for every parable. Like, I think at their core, parables are meant to be simple. I think this is a simple story in Luke 18 that we read on Thursday in our reading this morning. I think it's a simple story with a simple message. And that simple message is this. Pray. Whatever it is, pray. God is listening. You have his ear. He's a good judge. He's a good father. He loves you. And if he's not answering, keep praying. And if he's answering and you don't like the answer, keep praying until you either change God's heart or he changes your heart. Keep asking. Keep bugging. Keep bothering. Keep pestering. It's almost as if, if we make it really simple, it's almost as if God is inviting us to act like a little child. I think he is. I think God's inviting us and even maybe expecting us to act like a little child. To be in the back seat, like, please, please. Come on, God, where are you? I need an answer. You said. Paul Miller, I came across this quote this week. Paul Miller, he says this, All of Jesus' parables about prayer show adults acting like children. All of Jesus' parables about prayer, specifically you know, Luke 18, Luke 11, you know, show, God, show adults acting like children. Apparently, God delights to answer those who are bold enough to keep coming to him with childlike faith. If you keep reading in Luke 18, like if you just, on my Bible, you turn the page, you get to this little story about the little children in Jesus. And Jesus says, let the little children come to me. I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. It's okay to be like children. It's okay to be like children, to have the faith of a child. He's your he's our dad. He's our Abba. He's our daddy. He's our father. It's okay to talk to him like that. Jesus told them this parable, and he tells us this parable is for our benefit to remind us to always pray and to never give up. How, so, so how long? I mean, I think that's a valid, fair question. So how long do I keep praying about something? How long do I keep crying out? How long do I keep like, contending for and in, in persisting in prayer? How long? It's a great question. When I read the parable, I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I mean, the parable doesn't really tell us how long this widow persistently cried out to this judge for justice. It just says, for some time. I don't know what for some time means. I think it was certainly more than a day. I mean, was it a week? Was it a month? Was it years? How long? You know what? The people of God have been asking that question throughout the centuries. How long should I keep praying? Psalm 13. Write this one down. And I'm going to read one verse, but I encourage you to read the whole psalm. Psalm 13 starts out this way. How long? How long, Lord? Are you going to forget me forever? How long are you going to hide your face from me? How long? And it goes on to just cry out, to lament to the Lord, like, how long? And then the very last verse, yet I will praise you. (laughs) Even in the midst of, of this long perseverance, I will praise you. I don't know how long. If I were to look at the scriptures, there's examples of how long sometimes being like 40 days, you know, like if we think of like the, the just the, the imagery and the metaphor of Jonah in the whale, like, you know, I'm sure he's crying out to the Lord for each day, like to be delivered, like that took like 40 days, 40 years seems to be a common number in the Bible. The, the, Wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years? How about like in the the Israelites in exile? Like upwards to 70 years or more? Like how long? There's even instances where people prayed and prayed and prayed and didn't receive the hope that they were praying for in their lifetime. Hebrews 11. You know, the, the heroes of the faith. Read the end of Hebrews 11. And it talks about these people who never got to experience what they were crying out for. And yet they kept the faith. That's why they're heroes. They kept the faith even when they didn't get to experience what they were asking for. I mean, I like how long do you keep praying? I think you know. I, I think you keep praying until God answers, till we go home, or He comes back. One of those three is going to happen. Keep praying till then. Maybe that's like the answer. You, you pray till then. Like, like, you guys remember, like, I don't know if she's here this morning, but remember Jill was up here, like, a couple weeks ago, and shared her story, and she shared how, like, what was it, five, six years ago, like, her stomach stopped working, and, and she has to rely on a feeding tube. We pray all the time. Like, we're, we're, we've decided, like, like, as a staff and, and as, as friends, like, I know there's people praying every week for healing. Every week, we, we don't stop praying. And we're going to keep praying until Jill gets healed, Until someday Jill gets to go home and be with Jesus, or until Jesus comes back, we won't stop. Because Jesus said, "Always pray, never give up." I think that's how long we got to keep praying, and it might take a while. I don't know why it takes a while. I don't know why for some people it seems to happen quicker than others. I don't know. What I do know and do believe is that I think in our persistence, God is glorified. Because as we keep praying, even when we're not receiving what we're asking for, it demonstrates trust in Him. It demonstrates faith in Him. And I don't know, I think we should also not dismiss the, the possibility, and, and Hugo likes to remind me of this uh, from one of the pastors and authors that he's read, that maybe God enjoys the journey and the fellowship of us coming to Him. He's a father. And maybe He loves it when His children come to Him and talk to Him. And spend time with him. Maybe sometimes he prolongs. I don't know. I'm just theorizing. Because he enjoys the fellowship. He wants us to enjoy the fellowship. He wants us to to trust him in the journey. I'll close with this story. Then we're going to have some communion. But George Mueller. Some of you maybe know who he is. Most of us probably don't. I mean he, he wasn't alive in our lifetime. He was a 19th century evangelist. But I read this story this week, which I thought was a good picture to me of this parable. So George Mueller, evangelist, 19th century, tells a story about one day committing to pray for five of his friends who don't know Jesus. He decided, like, I want my friends to know Jesus, to, to be saved. So he decides, I'm going to begin praying for my five friends every day until they come to Jesus. So the story goes, he, he prayed for 18 months before the first one of his friends came to Christ. His response was, I thanked God and I pressed on. He continued praying for the other four every day until another one became a Christian five years later. Took five years for that guy. Six years later, a third one of his friends came to Christ. But after 36 years of praying. As George Mueller was approaching his deathbed. The last two of his friends who were still alive. Had not yet become believers. Mueller he's quoted as not being phased. He said they're not converted. Yet. But they will be. I hope in God. And I pray on. And I look for the answer. And when Mueller died in 19, or 1898. Those last two men. Still weren't Christians. But. God honored Mueller's faith and his prayer persistence even beyond Mueller's death. And within a few months of his death, the final two came to faith in Christ. Are you willing to pray thirty six years? I don't know if we sometimes have a good concept of time like our our friends in the Scriptures did, because we live in this instant gratification, you know, kind of culture. Sometimes it takes a long obedience. In the same direction. But here's the question. We'll close with this. And we'll, we'll have some communion. When the son of man returns. Because he's coming. What a day that will be. When the son of man returns. Will he find faith. On earth. Will he find. Victory point. Always praying. And never. Giving up. May it be so. I'm going to invite the band forward. Communion servers, why don't you guys hold off one second. I'm going to invite the band forward to get ready for our last couple songs. I just want to give you one practical invitation as we kind of launch into this, this season of prayer. Focusing on prayer. Deepening our prayer. Sometimes it really helps to have people to pray with. I mean, I hope you have people to pray with in your families, in your, in your life. But if you don't, I want to make you aware of some invitations that are available to you to pray. Every Sunday morning at 9.30, we gather in that corner and we pray for the gathering. We'd love to have you pray with us and be part of that. Every Sunday morning after the gathering, anybody that desires to pray with anybody can also go to that corner and we'd love to pray with you. Every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday afternoon, our staff, we've been doing this for a long time, we stop what we're doing and we gather up and we read the scriptures and we pray. We pray for you guys and we pray for what's going on in in the life of the church and in the community and we'd love to have you join us. We'd love to pray with you and for you. We'd love to have you pray with us. Open invitation, two o'clock, right there in the office area. Wednesdays, first and third Wednesdays at 7 p.m., We gather often in that corner or in that office area and and we pray. We'd love to have you join us as we pray over this congregation and we pray over each other and we pray over this community. And then uh, we're we're planning on, uh, we've decided like, you know, about a year ago we did a 24-hour prayer room. That was really cool and powerful. We're going to do that again. So mark your calendars for November 23 and 24. We're going to start Saturday morning at 10 a.m. and go all the way through to Sunday morning at 10 a.m. There will be opportunities for you to sign up for a slot to come with your friends or family or just yourself, whoever, and to come pray. So that we have like, uninterrupted, ongoing 24-hour prayer going you know, for a season. And then we'll launch that into just a morning of, of celebration and worship. So as we think about prayer... What's God saying to you this morning? What's he stirring in you? What's he inviting you into? What's he reminding you of? Pay attention to that. I'm going to invite the communion servers to come forward. And we're going to conclude our time together this morning with singing and and with this practice that Jesus gave us of breaking bread. And then remembering him through the bread and through the cup. So, you guys can take some bread and some juice. And I want to just reread Matthew 7. Thank you. go, Trav. I just want to, you guys can uh, spread out. I just want to reread Matthew 7. Listen to this. Jesus says this. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you, then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life who has come down from heaven. And he says this. He says this in John 6. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That's our invitation this morning. That's our invitation to all of us this morning. Whoever comes to him will never go hungry. Whoever believes in him will never go thirsty. This simple meal that Jesus instituted on the night he was betrayed with his disciples, consisting of just bread and wine, or for us, juice, is a, it's our regular reminder, you guys. It's our regular reminder that justice has not been withheld. It hasn't. Justice has not been withheld. Healing has been purchased. Healing's been purchased. Reconciliation has been achieved. Salvation is for real, and death is defeated through the broken body, the bread, and through the shed blood, the juice. So, if you're here this morning, or if and when you feel like God isn't listening, or God isn't responding in the way you desire Him to, or in the time that you desire Him to, this morning, may the bread... And may the juice be a reminder that he is listening and he has responded and he has not withheld anything from you, including and especially his son. So why don't we stand? The way we kind of do communion here at Victory Point is...